Hello, my little creme brulees. Welcome to This Fucking Guy, a podcast about self-care, if self-care is one long scream into the void. Here is where we use expletives and alcohol to emotionally process the creeps, jerks, and P-words that compose the shitty elevator music of our lives. I'm just a poor boy. I need no sympathy. Ren Martinez. And I just killed a man, Ginger Gollum. I believe it. Mm-hmm. Mm. On brand. <laughs> um, I hope it's not DJ, um, as he's the man that is immediately within your vicinity. No, I mean, it's more of a metaphorical killing of a man and by that, I mean, I just posted some angry memes and listened to <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody. And I think that mathematically that adds up to the same thing. You know what? I have killed a many a man... In the comment section of a Facebook post, murdered. Murdered by facts. <laughs> um, I love I love internet arguments because it's like as long as you get the last word, you won. If you made the other person rage quit, you won that argument. <sighs> not really. It's not true. That's how many people think internet arguments. Certainly. Oh, God. So, so Ren, my sweet, do you have anything to scream into the void? Well, you and I were having a little brief discussion about, you know, men and rage and the rage you were experiencing. And I was simultaneously experiencing with basically a bunch of fuckos online being like, oh, my God, here are my New Year's Eve party pics. Like all of us taking group selfies, maskless in, the, in a tiny space. Full of people. Happy New Year. Coronavirus can't be commuted within that proximity to the international dateline. Mm. Mm. Um, and it reminded me, so, sort of the greatest example I saw of this, and the whitest thing I've ever seen, was that, of course, they had a New Year's, a New Year's celebration at Mar-a-Lago. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Apparently, it cost about $1,000 a head to get in, because, you know, of course. Gross. And... <laughs> <laughs> the video sort of the video I saw had a couple different segments. Clearly, they were recording throughout the night. But first, it was someone singing a, a really weird version. And by weird, I mean man, this cover band could not rock it. Of the Ring of Fire, they're <laughs> burning. Um, and then uh, New York, New York, because again, they know the crowd. Uh. They're entertaining, and then. They had a live appearance by the Beach Boys. That, what? I mean, but think, how on brand is it for Mar-a-Lago to book the Beach Boys? I guess, I guess. I want to feel like they're better than that, but then I remember that they hung out with Charlie Manson, and I'm like, they're definitely they're not. They're definitely not better. So there was a lot of, and of course the song they sang was Kokomo, by far the worst the worst Beach Boy song. Unless the Muppets are doing it. The Muppets wrote Kokomo. And that's yes. that's where I stand on that. Yes, the Beach Boys cover sucks. But that was not the evening's headliner. Nope, it was uh Ice Ice Baby. Dun 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 Vanilla Ice himself. What will that man not do for money? It's there is nothing. I have, again, I've never seen anything whiter 
than the crowd of white people at Mar-a-Lago of whom Donald Trump Jr. is in the front going, wax a chump like a candle. <laughs> hey, 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 Shook Knight, if you're listening, and I know you are, uh, first of all, thank you for the positive review on iTunes, Shook Knight. Second of all, uh, I know a guy who needs to get hung by his ankles out a window again. <laughs> Oh, man. It was, I mean, don't get me wrong. It was, like, horrifying and rage-inducing because of, like, the pandemic that didn't suddenly end. Um, But also, like, (laughs) just, like, peak whiteness at, like, its mayo-y best. Mm. And also, all of those people are sick now. They're all sick, and they all have to live with the knowledge that they paid $1,000 a head for potato salad and Bud Light. (laughs) Oh, and you know that potato salad was runny. You know it was runny. Mm. How bad do the Beach Boys feel that they couldn't headline over Vanilla Ice? Yeah, that's pretty embarrassing. But there was also, looking over at the Times Square... Uh, which we enjoyed um, on our evening together, Mm -hmm. New Year's Mm -hmm. Eve, our virtual Yeah, together over Google Meets. Together in our hearts. But moving over to, like, the New Year's Eve live Times Square, whatever, and, like, all you see is Planet Fitness. Like, Planet (laughs) Fitness, Planet Fitness, Planet Fitness, Planet Fitness. Like, have we, we're sponsored by Planet Fitness. (laughs) It's just like, ugh, this is so sad. There's nothing sadder than seeing, like, this Ryan Seacrest lookalike wearing a Planet Fitness hat in front of nobody trying to herald in New Year's Eve. Oh, absolutely. Like, it is very clear, though, that the year 2021 has been brought to us by Planet Fitness and Kia because... Those are like the only two businesses that were like, maybe it wouldn't be in poor taste to rep all of our shit in Times Square on New Year's Eve. Oh my god. All the glitter was purple and like chartreuse. Ugh. Ugh. Late stage capitalism has really not been kind. Um, on that note, I think that maybe it's time for some therapy. <laughs> All right, Ginger, I have my pink drink, which is full of moonshine and stuff to make it pink. Yeah. So why don't you tell me about this fucking guy? Okay. So first of all, uh, thank you to listener Becca, who suggested this one actually a while ago. Um, Ren, go get a pillow. I'll be back. Okay. Okay. okay um. Actually, my headphone my headphones are attached. I can't really. Um, okay, you're gonna need to find something to scream into. Um, if, I only, if only my cat were in here right now, just screaming into her. I mean, you do the sound editing. If you just want to scream and explain it to your husband later, that's your prerogative. You know what? He's fine. He knows what the deal is. Okay. What are your thoughts on eugenics? I don't have many, but the few I do are. Not ideal. <laughs> yeah. Dear listener, if you are anything like me and, uh, thank goodness Ren just had to do some sanity testing there, uh, the answer to that question is can't say I care for it. 
<laughs> Not my favorite. Not my favorite. But there was a time when eugenics as a philosophy was very, very mainstream. As a philosophical concept, eugenics was named and formalized by Sir Francis Galton in 1883. Weirdly, he is also the dude who came up with the concepts of correlation and standard deviation and a bunch of weather stuff. He It's weird because he's simultaneously someone you hate wholeheartedly, but also someone you admire and relate to, because I know how much you love a correlation. Mm. I know how much you love a standard deviation. So much. So, so I imagine your feelings are quite torn here. Yeah, I can't figure out if he's a total bastard, or if he was just like, hey, here's an idea. I guess if you did it, this is what you'd call it anyway. Moves on <laughs> to the next thing. Um you know, I will I will read deeper into that Wikipedia article and he may be his own episode one day. We'll fucking see. <laughs> um But uh yeah, basically if somehow you don't know, if this is the first time you listen to this episode, the idea of eugenics is to make mankind or your country or whatever the fuck have better genes. Um which make humans it, better, I guess. Make humans better, which is like if that's where he is stopped with it, that's sort of fine on its own. But historically, it's been done by trying to cut people in groups believed to be inferior by whoever the dominant group is out of the gene pool. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it is very convenient um, when you are the dominant group trying to maintain your power uh, just to go like, well, you guys are just sub you're not doing humans great. So just um, be sterilized, I guess. Yeah, it's a, well, I guess we want less of you. And and murder sounds a little harsh, so um, we're going to just breed you out. I like, mean. Like, you know, like weak cattle. Yeah, like in the early 20th century, though, hating on minorities, hating on people that, like, cis heterosexual white wealthy men believed were bad that in calling it science that was very very trendy um very in vogue as with any shitty bad take on science eugenics became so hot in the u.s within just a few years mm. at first eugenicists were like let's prevent marriage between defective people so they can't have kids and then someone explained to them that it is, in fact, possible to have children out of wedlock. What? What? That has never happened, ever. Fucking Janet has no idea what that means. So then they were like, let's just institutionalize all of the women we don't want to reproduce until they're too old to have kids. But then they decided that that would be too expensive. So then they decided on sterilization, which is, you know, the step, I guess, slightly before murder. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not murder. It is decidedly not murder. Correct. It's a lot of things. <laughs> That's the bar we have. <laughs> <laughs> um... So Indiana passed the first eugenic sterilization statute in 1907, but it was considered to be legally flawed. 
I could not find a copy of the text of that to just see if it was just like, fuck you, Brenda, you don't get to have kids anymore, (laughs) signed, uh, Joe Indiana. Oh, was Indiana? Yeah. Uh, that's, my first thought, of course, was 1907, Indiana is the music man, so I'm like, Gary, Indiana, Gary, Indiana, we love you, (laughs) Janik's here. So, yeah, rather than focusing on, like, hey, this is, you know, a a crime against humanity and bodily autonomy, like, um, they they really focus on the legal flaws. And in response to the Indiana statute, this guy named Harry Laughlin, or Laughlin, it's got that U-G-H that is oh so trendy, but I think it's Laughlin um, of the eugenics record at office he will be his own episode eventually (laughs) um he designed a model eugenic law that was vetted by legal experts because he really wanted one of these to stand up in court if it ever came up what a what a pet project Mm, yeah somebody told them to get a hobby they did not know what they did but yeah model law doesn't it doesn't really do anything it's purely theoretical But in 1924, the Commonwealth of Virginia decided, this thing looks solid. Yeah, there's a look of recognition on your face. Mm. This thing looks solid. And they adopted a statute authorizing the compulsory sterilization in my top ten least favorite phrases. (laughs) Um, Authorizing the compulsory sterilization of the intellectually disabled for the purposes of eugenics. Uh, that was based on Lachlan's model. Man, at Virginia, we're real pioneers, man. Really leading the charge in all things shitty. Anytime Virginia is leading the charge in anything, be very concerned. <laughs> yeah. Virginia has two roles. Okay. Two roles. Either we are, like, leading the charge in, like, the super shittiest thing you can imagine, you know, like, slavery and segregation and redlining and all that stuff or we're like miles behind everyone on the good stuff like medicaid reform and education and mental health care so you know just a real winner on all counts yeah the the only thing that like we're really up there close to the top is maybe proximity to maryland and even then, we're tied with at least two other states. Mm-hmm, that's true. Yeah, so this was called the Virginia Sterilization Act of 1924. So they had the shitty new law that they thought was solid because it was based on the Lord Dushkin's model. But that model only works in theory, and no one had ever tried to challenge the statute. But as we all know, if there's one group of people who loves eugenics, it's edgelord contrarians. And one of those contrarians was a guy named Albert Sidney Pretty, which I cannot read as anything but Snitty Pretty. <laughs> I think, doesn't he have a book series, like, a series of unfortunate events? <laughs> he is a series of unfortunate <laughs> events. Old Snitty Pretty, as I like to call him, was uh, the superintendent of a place called the Virginia State Colony for Epileptics and Feeble-Minded. Such a cool, what a cool great, chill name. What a great name. Not only just like with great words in it, but also you couldn't 
shorten it a bit. You couldn't, like, I don't know, make something a, with a little better mouthfeel. No, you just really wanted to be unpleasant on all counts. I mean, they changed their name several times, and big fans of Virginia's mental health delivery services system might better recognize this institution as the Central Virginia Training Center, a place that literally only closed last year. And by last year, I mean in the year 2020, which was a day ago. Again, Virginia loves tradition. We we love our traditions. We're proud of them, and we hold on to them for as long as possible. So Snitty Pretty was a big old fan of eugenics and this uh, new law. And he said, what the hell? Let's see if this thing can pass a legal challenge. And so on September 10th, 1924, he filed a petition to his board of directors to sterilize 16 of his patients, including a woman named Carrie Buck. Carrie Buck was, of course, not some random woman he pulled off the street. She was an 18-year-old patient at the institution who he claimed had a mental age of nine. Snitty Pretty insisted that sterilization was the only way, only way forward, because Buck represented a genetic threat to society. What? what? Like, through her uterus? I mean, honestly, that would be badass if that were true. But like, yeah, no, this is this is just a big go fuck yourself, sir. No, <sighs> no, it's not a thing. Um, part of this argument was that it wasn't Carrie Buck herself that was the whole problem. Her mother, Emma Buck, was also believed to have an intellectual disability and had a <gasps> record of prostitution and immorality. I mean, who doesn't? But also, like, uh, actually, to co- totally go on, like, a side sidetrack side note, um, I was watching Travis McElroy's Twitter blow up today because he totally took a stand and said, by the way, uh, trans exclusionary feminists, all you guys fucking suck. Like, go the fuck away. Yay. Also, uh, sex worker exclusionary radical feminists, you can also go fuck yourselves. Like, support your local sex worker. And, ooh, ooh, his comments were spicy, because uh, they were very offended that a man with the uh, with a beard um, had an opinion on the internet. And don't get me wrong, sometimes I understand this urge, except, like, my ur- the urge is less so when what the man is saying, like, hey, let's not be shitheads. <laughs> I want men with beards to say that. I want all men with beards to say let's not be shitheads. Specifically, beautiful, wonderful Travis McElroy and his black fingernails and purple hair. I know. Just a style icon. So, yeah. Carrie's mother, Emma Buck, they were like, look at this hoe. She is clearly feeble-minded because she has three kids without good knowledge of their paternity, even though she was, like, married to Carrie Buck's dad but since he died before like one or two of the other kids were born then like clearly she's a slut or something i don't don't know i don't know um but she emma buck was committed to the colony i'm just gonna call it the colony this institution years before carrie was admittedly the colony sounds like the newest dystopian teen sci-fi novel it is (laughs) Carrie had actually been adopted to a couple, uh, the Dobbses, 
uh, and made it to the sixth grade, at which point the Dobbses pulled her out of school so she could help with housework. Uh, but according to Snitty Pretty, Carrie was incorrigible and gave birth to an illegitimate child when she was 17, which was surely the result of her moral failings and not a grown man raping a teenage girl. I mean, that sounds legit to me. Yeah, it, that's not speculation, by the way. I wrote that weird, but it's not speculation. Because in 1923, while Mrs. Dobbs was away, quote, on account of some illness, uh, Ms. Dobbs' nephew, Clarence Garland, feel like it's important to mention his name. Uh, yeah, he just showed up and raped Carrie Buck. And Carrie's adoptive family was, of course, understanding and made sure that she had access to reproductive. Ser- no, she, mm. no, they didn't. No, uh, they, uh, Got her had, the farm. they had her committed to the state colony as feeble minded as an attempt to save their own family's reputation. And then when she had the baby, a little girl named Vivian, she'll come up later. The Dobbses said, well, she can't take care of this. And then they took the baby and adopted her. You know what? Fuck these people. Yeah. Like, why did you adopt her in the first place? Like, if you're like, I want to take a child in my house to raise as my own, then why would you be like, actually, I don't want to do that. I don't want to consider this child a child or raise it as my own. I want to, like, have... It's basically, like, those puppies that you get adopted at Christmas time. Yeah. And then, like, six months later, return to the shelter. Because they're like, I didn't know they got big. <sighs> so, Snitty Pretty was like, this chick is clearly a danger to society, and we'd better sterilize her. And Carrie Buck was like, can you not? Can you not, yeah. sir? Um, Of course, the board of directors took Snitty Pretty's side, and they ordered... Buck to be sterilized, but her surprisingly not shitty publicly appointed guardian appealed the case to the Circuit Court of Amherst County, which then sided with the board like they were inevitably going to do. Lachlan, who drafted the law and who never even ever met Carrie Buck, testified that members of the Buck family, quote, belong to the shiftless ignorant, and worthless class of antisocial whites of the South. There's a lot to unpack there, but Hmm. it kind of, to me, explains why, like, poor, uneducated white people in the South really, really committed to hating the black people. Like, if educated white people are calling you that, and, like, Hmm. all you got left is, like, this other lower social class, you're going to be real, trying real hard to keep them down there. Like, so hard. this is all I have. Did you hear what this guy called me? <laughs> Snitty Pretty's lawyer in this initial hearing called seven witnesses to testify to Buck's feeble-mindedness. Only two of the witnesses had ever met Buck, and only one of them had interacted with her recently. A social worker stated that Buck was obviously feeble-minded, and that her baby, quote, had a look about it that is not quite normal? I mean, seems legit. It's a baby. They all look like lizards. Uh, That's true. They all look like weird little sea monkeys that you need to put in water for a while. (laughs) An evaluator from the eugenics record office named Dr. Arthur Estabrook, don't know why I bothered giving his name, he later gave uh, Carrie's daughter Vivian a cursory evaluation and reported that she 
showed backwardness. I, I, I don't. I love this period in time where, like, you could just say the, like, say whatever in terms of a diagnosis. Like, just anything. Being like, man, she clearly has paranormal entities in her brain sponge and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is experiencing oopsie-daisy. And you know what, you know what oopsie-daisy does to a person? Um, you get all sorts of whoopsie-loodles and, yeah, yeah, remove her uterus. That's the solution. Look, ladies, thousands of women every year succumb to night brain, so we have to scoop out your lady parts. <laughs> And in case you were wondering, like, in case this wasn't completely clear, feeble-mindedness, first of all, is no longer used as terminology for fucking anything. Anything. And even at the time, it was, like, this catch-all term that had no clinical meaning. I mean, yeah. It's like like when you said a lady was hysterical. It meant nothing. It could mean that she was upset or not upset enough or quiet or or, or not quiet enough or, like... You know, she was, she spoke words or she didn't speak enough. Like, you could do anything and be hysterical. Yeah, they were uh, disrupting the status quo in some way. How dare they? How dare they? One day before the Amherst court made its decision, old Snitty Pretty up and died in his successor, John Hendren Bell. And then he was visited by the ghost of his partner to (laughs) tell him the error of his ways. Um, But yeah, this guy, John Hendren Bell, took up the case. Uh, He became the superintendent of the colony and made this case forever known as Buck versus Bell. So, Buck and her guardian appealed to the Supreme Court of Appeals of Virginia, which said... Yeah, Virginia's law is totally compliant with state and federal constitutions because women and people with disabilities don't have any rights. Convenient. Awfully convenient. So Buck and her guardian appealed again to the U.S. Supreme Court, arguing that due process guarantees all adults the right to procreate, and that was being violated. Now... Friend of the show and staff attorney Susie Cream Cheese tried to explain to me why due process does actually make sense here. Uh, <laughs> but after reading the Wikipedia link she sent me, I realized that I do not care enough to condense it. So you can look up like due process and reproduction on your own. Like it's a thing, I guess. Um, they also made the much more understandable to me argument that the equal protection clause in the 14th Amendment was being violated since not all similarly situated people were being treated the same. So, like, people in some other institutions were not being sterilized. So it was, like, being applied in this weird way, which I admit is a super bummer of a technicality to hang your hat on and a weird fucking way to argue the case. It's like, yeah, those people also in shitty circumstances get to keep their organs equal rights. Well, apparently we're not alone in thinking that this was sus. Um, Historians and even some commenters at the time of the trial have noted that Uh, Carrie Buck's lawyer, a guy named Irving Whitehead, did an unbelievably bad job 
He failed to call important witnesses and was remarked by commentators to often not know what side he was on. Many, <laughs> many now believe that Whitehead did a shit job on purpose because, plot twist, Whitehead was BFFs with Snitty Pretty and was a member of the governing board of the state institution in which Buck resided. Oh my god! And had personally authorized pretty sterilization requests, and was a strong supporter of eugenic sterilization. Is it, uh, is, was there no ethics back then? Was ethics not even a word? No. Like, did we make that up in, I don't know, the 70s? Absolutely Just someone, not. just some lawyer, someone was like, eth, 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 Ethnic, ethics, ethics. Perhaps we should have ethics. And uh, everyone looked at this like, like this, like he's a fucking baby boy, being like da 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 the first time. And they looked at that guy and went, "He's feeble-minded." And they threw him in an institution, <laughs> cut off his whole penis. On May second, nineteen twenty-seven, in an eight-to-one decision. The Supreme Court accepted that Buck, her mother, and her daughter were feeble-minded and promiscuous, and that it was in the state's interest to have Buck sterilized. I'm sorry. Hold on. Hold 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 on. Buck. Mm. Buck's mom. Mm. Buck's daughter. I think she was four. Was deemed promiscuous. Genetically promiscuous. First of all, that's my new band name. But <laughs> secondly, man, you have that's some fucking gall to be like genetically. This four year old's a slut. Like I don't. What what can you do? That's Buck, genetics. Buck versus the balls on this guy. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Yeah, no, it was it was a bad take. Um, the only dissension was by a Catholic justice who dissigned, who declined to write any dissenting opinion. The majority ruling was written by Chief Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes. He, of course, argued that the interest of public welfare outweighed the interest of individual bodily autonomy. This is a long quote. Prepare your screaming mechanisms. It is better for all the world if instead of waiting to execute degenerate offspring for crime or to let them starve for their imbecility, society can prevent those who are manifestly unfit from continuing their kind. The principle that sustains compulsory vex vaccination is broad enough to cover cutting the fallopian tubes. Three generations of imbeciles are enough. I didn't put enough moonshine in this drink. No, and it is about, there is about a cup of moonshine in it. You showed me yeah, your measurements. Yeah, yeah. Oh, just. Wow. Everybody harps on the three generations of imbeciles is enough, which don't get me wrong, that's fucking awful. But the, instead of waiting to execute degenerate offspring for crime, dude, what? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, straight up, looking at this fucking four-year-old, who I'm sure is fucking cute as shit, being like, probably gonna execute you. Yeah. Probably gonna kill you. No Just, way you around know. it. Because you might be promiscuous somewhere, and we somewhere, can't be having someday. that. Gen genetically, it's it's destined. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that is just wow. I mean, like, like that's the whole point of eugenics, right? But like, that was a little more than a hundred years ago. Uh, no, it was ninety three years ago. Ninety three years ago, so just under a century ago. Fucking humans in a society <laughs> said this wild ass shit. Yeah, this happened during my grandmother's lifetime. Like, this was not... And that's not to say people aren't still saying wild-ass shit, but they say that shit on Parlor now. So, you know... Yeah. And, as always, in the comments section of the Richmond Times-Dispatch... On October 19th, 1927, John Bell himself performed an operation to sterilize Carrie Buck. Was he a doctor? Wasn't anybody then? <laughs> I'm sorry. Just like, just thinking. That is just thinking about that. Just thinking about like you could just prosecute someone and say like, "Hey, you know what? I I am a lawyer, and this person broke the law and needs to have their kneecap smashed." And when you win the case, the lawyer themselves get to smash the kneecaps. I mean, basically. Like, he was the superintendent of the facility. There is, like, a fairly significant chance that he was a doctor. But it also seems like you don't want to delegate that at this point to just, like, create some... No, he was personally invested. He was so obsessed with this woman's fucking reproductive organs that he was like, no, I gotta get my hands in there. Like, I have to be sure. I just imagine him, like, at the prosecution's table, like, in the courtroom with just, like, two scalpels and just sharpening them on each other. Oh, my God. Just making prolonged eye contact with her. Like, the bottles on the fingers. Come out to play! Just, (laughs) ugh, so menacing and awful. Ugh. So they sterilized her. She was released from the institution a month later. Possibly worse, her sister Doris, her younger sister Doris, was also secretly sterilized while she was hospitalized for appendicitis. And the hospital never fucking told her that they sterilized her. And she tried for years to have children and did not know why she couldn't until the 80s when she requested her medical records, which is... So cool. So when you say secretly, what you mean is illegally. No, because this law made it legal. You did not have to give any informed consent. Nobody had to give informed consent for you. That was the law. They didn't even... T- they, you, you didn't have to know? No, that's that was the whole thing. But who decided? The doctors. So this didn't have to go under review at all. No No. administrator, no superintendent. You could just be a fucking dentist somewhere and decide, like, yep, this lady doesn't need ovaries. I think, like, the board of directors of your medical facility had to go, yeah, cool. And it, like, specifically, like, I I read portions of the law. It did specifically reference the colony and several other, like, Virginia state hospitals that this applied to. But it was just sort of like, yeah, if you work there and think the person needs to be sterilized, like, go get the ice cream scoop there, Herbert. Like, go go nuts. Oh, you're the janitor? Eh, seems legit. I don't know why this brought this up in my mind, but this is part of this. There was some sort of British commentator, kind of of the Piers Morgan type, 
who commented on a very blase it's 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 a essentially it was a tweet about the fact that the uk has done away with the vat for tampons essentially there is no luxury tax for tampons and menstrual products because spoiler alert period products are not a luxury no it's not fucking luxurious and the image was like you know like yay this thing it had a Drawing, like a very graphic design, minimalist drawing of a tampon on it. Because, like, it's a tampon text. Mm-hmm. And he his, he tweeted, why would you use such an obscene image? Sir. And when people were like, how is this obscene? He essentially was like, well, it's a reference to bodily fluids and the certain curvature of the, sp- of the string of the tampon indicates certain bodily like bodily parts below the belt what and i'm like all of you motherfuckers all of you deserve to be beaten to death with bloody tampons i'm gonna make a fucking cat of nine tails Mm -hmm. with bloody tampons and beat you to death it's coming 2021 is our year and these motherfuckers who were like yes I can just remove ovaries willy-nilly if I just catch the urge. You deserve to be beaten to death with bloody tampons. I am happy to perform this service because I've already prosecuted you that you deserve to be beaten with bloody tampons. Mm -hmm. So that just gives me the right to do it. Pretty much. I mean, I'm here for it. Carrie herself. Uh, once she was discharged from the facility, which they like, I kept reading it as she was paroled, which I mean, that's mm, probably more accurate. That, yeah, that's probably more accurate, but still fucked up. Uh, she worked as a maid in Bland, Virginia, and married twice, but obviously didn't have additional children. She was an avid reader until her death in 1983, and basically everybody who ever knew her was like, she absolutely did not have an intellectual disability. What are you even talking about? After Buck's death, historian Paul A. Lombardo argued that Buck was not feeble-minded at all and had been put away to hide her rape, perpetrated by the nephew of her adopted mother, which... Yeah, that checks out! Who would have done such a thing? What? Carrie Buck's daughter, Vivian, uh, the one who showed backwardness, died of measles five years after the decision. It should be noted that before she died, she attended school for two years and made the honor roll. It's almost like it wasn't really about intellectual disability and that it was just a smokescreen by the patriarchy to impose their shitty morals onto women. That doesn't sound like them at all, Ginger. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, patriarchy. That sounds like falsehoods. Like you were raging falsehoods. <laughs> How dare you malign the character of the patriarchy. In fact, I think you are predisposed for genetic promiscuous- <laughs> promiscuity. <laughs> and we need to perhaps remove every organ we can. I mean, you do need to remove every organ you can, but probably for different reasons. The Buck versus Bell decision legitimized the ideal of eugenic sterilization across America and led dozens of states to adopt sterilization laws or update the ones they had. The rate of sterilizations in the U.S. doubled as a result. 
In Virginia alone, between 1924 and 1979, the state sterilized over 7,000 individuals under the Virginia Sterilization Act of 1924. <laughs> Adolf Hitler closely mm. modeled his law for the prevention of hereditarily diseased offspring on Lachlan's model law. You know, the one that Virginia adopted that led to this whole case. And you know it's a great look when Hitler looks at you and goes, you know what? I'm inspired. Great idea, guys. I'll do my, I- I'm going to try to do that. You've, you've really, you really moved me to do that myself. Yeah, uh, Henry Ford and Harry Lachlan just like high-fiving across the United States. Jesus. High-fiving in hell. High-fiving <laughs> in hell. The Third Reich held Lachlan in such regard that they arranged for him to receive an honorary doctorate from Heidelberg University in 1936 at the Nuremberg Trials, which is a (laughs) phrase that comes up way too much in this podcast. (laughs) Another place you don't want your name to be dropped. (laughs) Southern Poverty Law Center, Nuremberg Trials. Just check yourself. Yeah, right. Um. Nazi doctors explicitly cited Holmes' opinion in Buck versus Bell as part of their defense. The Nazis sterilized over 350,000 people under their law, which again was based on the Virginia law. Hey, Virginia! We're number one! It's a great state! A 1942 case called Skinner versus Oklahoma didn't overturn Buck versus Bell, but it cast like some, some concerns upon the earlier decision and a lot of institutions started slowing down their sterilization rates. By 1963, sterilization had fallen out of favor, mostly because of the Nazi stuff. Although Buck versus Bell was never overturned. I was researching. What? No, it has not fucking been overturned, Ren. It is a Supreme Court case that still stands. So a doctor could just decide to, like, take out whatever lady bits they thought were unnecessary to me, and the Supreme Court would say, yup, 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 sounds like it, yup. We will get to that in a moment. I mean, Jesus. Um... Yeah, most, like, it hasn't been overturned. Most people, like, recognize that it's been fucked up. Most parts of it have been, like, repudiated by the Supreme Court, but that doesn't mean that they actually overturned it. Um, and sterilization laws across the country remained on the books for years or decades or till now. And you maybe. know that Amy Comey Barrett is super, is super into sterilization. You know she's like hot for it. If you ask her what her favorite Supreme Court case is, it's definitely that one. Ugh. Um, weirdly but predictably, Buck versus Bell was cited in Roe versus Wade, but it was used to argue that the right to abortion shouldn't be unlimited. They used Buck versus Bell to go, ladies, you can't do whatever you want with your bodies or we're going to intervene. Uh, mm, yeah. That's, hey, 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 people with uteruses, um, you can't just do whatever you want with your bodies or we'll do what the Nazis did. Like, you know, <laughs> still on the books, so... <laughs> The Commonwealth of Virginia did not even have to tell people that they had been sterilized under the law until 1985. And as of fucking 1988, 
The Virginia law was finally updated and the Sterilization Act of 1924 was thrown out. The 1988 law specifically states that a court may authorize a physician to perform a sterilization on a mentally incompetent adult or child after the procedural requirements are met and the court finds with clear and convincing evidence the patient is or is likely to engage in sexual activity, no other contraceptive is reasonably available, the patient's mental disability renders the patient permanently unable to care for a child, and the procedure conforms with medical standards. There's so much wrong there. Like, there's so much wrong there. Yeah. That it's it's kind of hard to fathom. I had to actually... Ren, you are welcome, because I actually had to read the fucking law, and you know how much I hate this, um, because, like, clearly so many of the people who write about this wanted to have a rosy ending that they're like, and so if somebody has capacity to consent to medical treatment, they have to get informed consent before they sterilize you, and I'm like, what happens if they don't have capacity to provide informed consent? And that's just like, Oh, well, if they can't, if they can't get another form of contraception, then yeah, they can still sterilize you. It's fine. And what makes this even more, the reason that my bones hurt right now (laughs) is because folks with intellectual disabilities are at much higher rates than the average population of victims of sexual assault. So... It's not just this idea of engaging in sexual activity, consensual sexual activity. It is, well, you know, if they're raped, they might have children. So we might as well remove their their ability to have children. So if there's rape, there's no consequences, consequences. to the rape, you know? Yeah, That's- like... <sighs> One thing that I really have been thinking a lot about today, like as I've been researching this, so clearly the narrative, the narrative for the people looking at this through the lens of history, looking at this through the lens of decency is like, this shouldn't have happened. And look, she wasn't even intellectually disabled, which like, yeah, good point, but also what if she was? They still shouldn't have fucking done it. I mean, admit I think it's a good argument, this idea of, like, back in the day, again, you could just, you know, sneeze at a fancy dinner party and suddenly you were feeble-minded. And so, like, this idea of going outside of the status quo meant that you could immediately get these sort of diagnoses, which meant that anyone could do whatever they wanted to, including remove organs. Yeah. Things that Nazis do. Um, mm-hmm. And yes, like... I think that's an important argument to make, but you're right. Like, perhaps, 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 mm-hmm. perhaps we shouldn't be removing organs from anyone. Yeah. You know, I just think that those organs really should be in there unless, like, they're going to kill the person. I mean, if, like, you have a kidney that, like, has gone full leather face, you know, with, like, a chainsaw <laughs> and everything, like, then, yeah, maybe we need to get you a new one. But, like... If they're just doing crochet... Have that conversation with a person. Like, if they had gone to Carrie Buck and been like, hey, there's this thing called the birth control pill, 
And like, you maybe want to be on it because you don't have a lot of resources and this could be a bad scene for you. Like, and that had actually been a conversation she could have with a trusted doctor. No, but this is part of the same right wing framework of like, we can't have birth control because it's sinful and like people will fuck. But like, we can't have abortions because people be fucking and like, you know, that's bad. But also we can't pay for like, child welfare and snap and shit because like how dare you be a waste upon society and you shouldn't be fucking in the first place so like you don't get organs now and it's like that same beautiful clusterfuck of clusterfucky yeah i mean it's fucked up and part of the thing is like that they were drawing this line at feeble-minded, which meant nothing, and they got to choose what it means. And any time you're talking about taking away somebody's bodily autonomy because they are this or that or something else, it is because whoever the person is that is in charge in that situation and wants to take the bodily autonomy away, they're the one who gets to define what that person is and why they're deficient. It's not some kind of objective thing even if we're talking about iq tests there have been like how many fucking studies that show that iq tests are like really profoundly fucked up because they rely on these like cultural things oh no i mean the the iq tests are just the new eugenics or just continuing eugenics i mean at some point i'm gonna do an episode about the bell curve because woof um, but it's just the new way to like continue to be racist by being like, well, you see, black people have lower IQs, so they're dumber than us, and that's not that's science. Well, it's, if you fucking Karen, if you make a fucking test that <laughs> that like is automatically going to score black people lower by virtue of like growing up in a specific culture, like yeah, no, no, yeah, it's science. It's science. You can't it's argue. Science. It's science because I'm wearing a white coat and I get to say I also it have is. a clipboard. Let's not forget the clipboard, okay? Like the clipboard is a really important part of this experience. In 2001, the Virginia State Legislature publicly apologized for this chapter in history. A year later, a statue of Carrie Buck was erected in her hometown of Charlottesville. The legislature, I think it was in 2015, agreed to compensate individuals that had been involuntarily sterilized under the law, 25,000 people per claimant, which is not a lot. Not enough. So that was Buck versus Bell. Whew! I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I knew, like I knew, I knew, but I did not know. You know what I yeah. mean? Like I knew, but oh. It's just always worse than it you think it is. And even it, mm-hmm. but even when you think it's bad, you know, like it's you're just like, "Oh, I can't be surprised. I know how bad this is." And you're like, "Wow. Nope. I'm surprised." Yep. Appendicitis, huh? <laughs> just Oh god. And it's the idea that that's still a law on the books kind of makes me want to vomit. Um I, I clearly I need to create my own political party and my platform is going to be things like legalize marijuana. Clearly everyone should be able to get a pet of their choosing and you get to keep your organs. Like you just get to keep them <laughs> until you say you don't want them. You just get to keep your organs. Like you were born with that shit. Like, you know, 
those are yours now. I mean, it's a line we should not have to draw in the sand, but here we are. Huh. I didn't know I had to say this out loud. <laughs> I didn't know I had to say, you can't just take people's organs without their permission. <laughs> like, I, I didn't know that was a thing that had to be said, but here we are in America in 2021. Woof. Oofa doofa. Oofa doofa. So, I mean, it's probably not the darkest thing we've ever done. It's pretty it's, dark. <laughs> it's pretty dark, though, so... Uh, I think this is important. Well, as Ginger has informed all of us, these are laws still on the books, and uh, it's January 2nd, and the Virginia General Assembly is coming up, so if you happen to be in Virginia, or if your state also has similar laws, I don't know, like, go look that shit up, perhaps you could call your legislator and be like, what the fuck, y'all? What in the ever-loving fuck? <sighs> but I think, in lieu of calling your legislator, um, and also calling your legislator, perhaps we need a self-care plan. Yeah. So, this week I have focused my self-care plan on sexual and reproductive self-care. So, number one, make sure you're taking care of your sexual and reproductive health. That was a weird place for me to start, having given that preface. But <laughs> uh, things like pelvic exams and STI testing are still available, even in the middle of a pandemic. Make sure you're communicating with your doctor about your needs and scheduling wellness appointments as long as it's safe for you to do so. Consider your birth control options. It's your choice whether you have kids and when. There are lots of products on the market to help you with that. Talk to your partner and healthcare provider about what works best for your health and your plans. Make sure you have good and open communication with any and all of your sexual partners. Yeah. Communicating not only protects you, but helps you make sure you're getting what you want. It can be an awkward thing to bring up the sexy stuff, but it's worth it in the end, so to speak. And if that motherfucker tells you that condoms are uncomfortable you fucking leave you pull out the cat of nine tails made of bloody tampons <laughs> and you beat that man <laughs> or woman to death until they leave your apartment oh uh. so that's gonna be all for us this <laughs> week folks. if you like what you're hearing uh and i don't know why you wouldn't you can check us out at thisfnguypod.com, Twitter uh, at thisfnguypod, and our Patreon, thisfnguypod. Uh, we also have a Facebook, which is this fucking guy, because Facebook encourages us to curse as often as possible. <laughs> um, there's a bunch of delightful memes on there. I recommend you check it out. Yeah, come check us out. Yeah, and if you want to uh, leave us a review on iTunes or message us uh, on Facebook or Twitter to let us know that you've been sharing us with friends, we will give you a shout-out at the end of the next episode. Yes, Ginger is our social media manager because she remembers that that's a thing, and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so um, she will absolutely hook you up with the deets and uh, give your name a shout-out on air. As always, I'm Ginger Golub. I am Ren Martinez. Here's a bonus self-care tip. Don't be afraid to sleep in. Sometimes it's what you need. And I am never afraid to sleep in. Every day. <laughs> no fear.
<laughs> One fear. Um, <laughs> don't be, by the way, this fucking guy. Peace. Peace. This fucking guy.